the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Let's start out thinking positively. Life is too short to wait. Ain't that the truth? If it doesn't change you, I mean, it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Start each day with a grateful heart. Been finding that out more and more. Great things never come from comfort zones. And finally, dream as if you'll live forever. Live, live as if you'll die today. There we go, folks. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I I had some interesting conversations last week, and I'm going to talk about those. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, if you would like any of the material, you know, we always talk about the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, all that good stuff. Uh, you can go to WHK's webpage. Go to WHK fourteen twenty. Um, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. It goes directly to my webpage, and uh, you can uh, apply for any of those you want. All right. All you do is contact me, email me. They're all over the place. By the way, while you're there, there's some really good stuff on that on that webpage. If you go to the Insight banner, they're constantly updating the research there. Uh, it turns over, you know, sometimes every week. Uh, and then we also have uh, under bulletin board Rob. Schleimer, who's one of the best technicians on the planet, his roadmap, which is a weekly publication. And then, by the way, there's a there's a weekly newsletter there. So, uh, uh, look, I, I uh, was talking with Dane Toppitz this week. Uh, you remember, he's from Dunbar and um, Bender, and he's an expert on retirement plans. And um, he's really helped some people just recently. So if you have a small business, he's, he's a guy you want to talk to because it allows you to put more money away. And when money is hidden from the government for a while, it can grow a lot faster than if it isn't. Also, if you own a small company and you want to sell it, you know, and you go into private equity, private equity is trying to get your, trying to steal your company is what it comes down to. And uh, what we can do is uh, if you become a client, we can, we can give you a fair value of your company for free. We don't charge you. All right. So we'll just leave it at that. also, if you'd like to make an appointment with me, you know, just uh, make the call and uh, we'll sit down with you and um, talk about your portfolio, a wealth plan. Um, you know, one of the things I'm seeing, and, and I, nobody stepped in for this, which is great, uh, which means I'm right. <laughs> Usually when people don't sell, send in, I mean, nobody sent in for the software stuff back in 2018 and software went crazy. Okay. Uh, nobody, nobody sent in for the oil stuff. And oil's been the leader. I mean, ExxonMobil was at $48. It was yielding 8.5% when I started talking about it. Chevron was at $87 and was yielding 6.5%. Chevron just announced a buyback 
of like 25% of their stock and a 25% increase in their dividend, which the Biden administration went crazy on. I loved it, by the way. Uh, and oil's, you know, I mean, Chevron broke up quadruple top Friday. So, uh, you know, when people don't send in, I think, yeah, I know I'm right. So <laughs> anyway, with about 10% of the S&P 500 have turned in their results so far. And what we're finding is that about 65% are beating consensus. What we're also finding is if you don't beat consensus or you lower guidance, you're getting whacked. That's simple, okay? So the bottom-up consensus for the for 2023, the earnings per share forecast, has creeped lower. And that's something you've got to understand. So the earnings are coming down, just like everybody thought they were. Now, there's been a few exceptions. Uh, the exceptions have been REITs, utilities, and staples and industrials, which is interesting. I'm going to make a comment about uh, staples versus consumer discretionary pretty soon here, though. Now, a couple other things we're seeing. Uh, investor sentiment continues to show signs of recovery. Now, these are some of the lowest levels I've seen in my career. All right. Uh, there's only been two other times when we've been, been close to this level. Uh, and the S&P 500 has continued to trade on like the 2002-2003 path. So we'll see what happens. Uh, economic surprises have shifted into the negative territory now. Okay. All right. So th that's enough for economics. Once again, we're a live show. So if you want to uh, call in here, the number, uh, if you want to talk to Lenny, our great technician, is at 216. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgot the number. 216-901-0945. I was about to give you my office number. 216-901-0945. You know, one of the things I saw last week, and Tom Porcelli pointed this out, and I think I mentioned it last week, was if you looked at the retail sales number, they were rough. I mean, they had a rough patch, all right? And what was interesting is if I look at the staples versus consumer discretionary, which is retail, Staples went into a column of O's against them. So on a relative strength basis, consumer discretionary is the place to be versus Staples. The other thing I noticed is I get uh, money flows on ETFs every Saturday, and consumer discretionary was the number one money flow. Number one money flow, huh? How's that? That's interesting. And then, yeah, by the way, it went... Uh, Consumer discretionary, consumer, I mean, communication services. Remember, they were low in the Poldum hole on dynamic asset level investing. That's the meta metaverses, the Verizons of the world, the AT&Ts, et cetera. AT&T had a surprisingly good quarter. Verizon's one of the dogs of the Dow. And then we had technology, which is unusual because it's coming back. Uh, then we had um, real estate, then financials, and then industrials. So. Some of the stuff we've been talking about for five months now is coming true. All right. So we did have kind of a rough patch uh, and, and consumer discretionary, but that's made, you know, look, when you see the rough patch, it might be too late already. The stock market's anticipating things six to eight to nine months ahead of time. So there you go. You know, I've been talking to clients and some clients are not coming back in. You know, they, they, they couldn't take it. And it was not a lot of them, but they couldn't take it. And so, you know, we had Marshfield up about 6.5% for the year. And 
our dividend gross portfolio was down 2.7%. Prime income was flat as a pancake. And then some of my gross stocks were down about 11%. So all in all, uh, we were flat for the year is what it comes down to. And a lot, a lot of my clients just said back in September, when I said it was a bottom, they said they couldn't handle it. And I'm going to say right now, I think we've hit the bear market lows. Unless there's a nuclear explosion, you know, Russia goes crazy or something like that. I think we've hit the bear market lows. And one of the things everybody's been telling me is they start to see falling inflation. It's consensus, and therefore uh, it's priced into equities. These people are generally bearish, by the way. I don't agree the falling inflation is consensus. There's multiple reasons I've seen at it. And I've listened, you know, I, I listen to CNBC, I read all this stuff, I read everything. <laughs> I'm just, I, you know, I read 60 books that, 65 books a year, and I read every report that comes across my desk. So uh, re- real rates will remain high, I think, as the Fed wants to uh, be certain inflation is dead. They don't want to, you know, they made a mistake about being too loose for too long. And I don't think they want to do that, make that problem, uh, have that problem again. But equities had been off to a solid start in 2023. They're up nearly. Five percent. So we had some things happen. The breadth has been unbelievable. I mean, stocks that have not seen the light of day since October 10th of 2021 are starting to look good again. All right. So, um, you know, the first five days we were up 1.4 percent. And when you add that to a negative year, there's been seven instances and the median gain has been 26 percent. And it's been a 100% win-win ratio. Now, if you finish January positive, the ratio is 100% too. So that's interesting. Now, if the VIX falls on average versus like 2022, the, the average in 2022 is 27. But if it, if, if it drops below 19, it's at 19 right now, I think things could get really interesting. Okay? So, look, I, I do think... Going forward, we're going to have a cool and cloudy earnings season. What I'm saying is you better be right, okay? And uh, there are certain groups that I really like. I'll tell you what I like in the second half, second part of the show, I should say. But look, you have uncertainty about the U.S. economy state hanging in the air. You got the market participants are paying very close attention to the fourth quarter earnings. The consensus forecast for quarterly earnings is it to ebb, okay, moderately in the in the fourth quarter. Um, they'll probably be underwhelming, but they could be a lot worse. All right, if sixty five percent, you know, we've only got ten percent of the S and P five hundred in, but sixty five percent are beating estimates. That's a pretty good number, right? So, um, I think the takeaways: growth stocks are exceeding value stocks and earnings and revenue growth right now. That's kind of interesting. The the growth category has stronger earning beats. Now, but believe me, I, I was looking at, and I'm going to talk about a chart that I've seen, the, the PE ratio on, on uh, growth stocks are pretty low. So domestically focused companies are delivering higher earnings growth than more globally oriented firms. Profit margins are weak, by the way, pacing around uh, 8.9% year over year, or a negative 8.9%, I should say. Margin retrenchment uh, retrenchment is just not a tech story. It's also impacting materials, financials, healthcare, and consumer staples. And some of the companies are, are facing challenges with supply chain disruption or labor shortages. 
All right, so those that's what we're seeing. All right, uh, take it from there. Now, people ask me about the dividend growth portfolio. I had several conversations last week with uh, people who listened to the show, called me. Uh, the portfolio is usually about 2.4%, and it averages its average growth is about 7.8 per year. The dividends grow 7.8% per year. It was down 2.8% last year. Okay. Now, mine was flat because I didn't buy one of the stocks because I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like the chart. So mine was flat for the year, um, which I'm sorry, that's going against the grain. You're supposed to, you know, if you have a discipline, you're supposed to follow it. I'm actually, I've actually bought the stock in the beginning of the year. So, uh, but that's a pretty good track record with the S&P 500 is down 18.28% or whatever it is. But the other thing is I'm starting to see ADRs. American depository receipts. These are foreign stocks that trade on our exchange and are, are deposited here so we don't have to worry about currencies. Foreign stocks are starting to outperform. And I guess the question is, most people don't want to hear about China, but if China opens up, which stocks are the best to buy? And I've got several ideas, uh, but we're going to be in a slow growth environment for a pretty long time, I think. I don't think the Fed's going to loosen up unless something blows up. Now, currencies are still the lowest form of life in our relative strength basis or what we call dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with. So if anything's going to blow up, usually it's the lowest form of life. And I think it'll be domestic, you know, won't be domestic equities, but it will be, uh, probably currencies, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But look, um, we've got, well, let me, you know what? I'm going to go on to commodities. I, I think commodities are really interesting because I think what we're doing is we're waiting on a rotation. You know, OPEC meets uh, next Wednesday, and all indications suggest that they stay on course for the 2 million barrel production cut. China's reopening is bullish for commodities. However, there exists a bifurcation across the individual commodities. Metals are and should lead, while consumer-based commodities like oil will follow later. Copper broke out last week. Dr. Copper is a, you know, that's why they call it Dr. Copper, because it is an indication of how the economy is doing, okay? Now, the other thing, impact of natural gas prices from uh, the revisions we've seen, I mean, natural gas prices, the, the the sell-off was brutal, and it, it perhaps too brutal, <laughs> uh, but more than we expected. I think that's simply because uh, Europe has a little bit more natural gas than they thought. All right. Now the other thing is, uh, I had like ten questions about gold last week, and gold's held up pretty well. But the McQuellen price oscillator—if you don't know what that is—Tom McQuellen's a very smart guy. His dad was a smart guy too. Uh, the gold oscillator turned down last week, and that's usually not a good sign. Uh, so we'll see what, what what happens. But remember, next week we not only have OPEX meeting, but we have the Fed meeting. Hmm. Things could get really interesting. Also, Congress has kind of set up a a flare to Mr. Biden that they ain't, they ain't passing anything that he wants to pass. All right. Now he's already spent six. Uh, well, $7.7 trillion. Unfortunately, the Republicans voted 
on the omnibus bill positively, which is the first time that we didn't have one Republican vote up until then, as you know, I'm, I'm there. But, you know, in my particular case is that Biden's got the lowest approval rating. <laughs> if you're a Republican, you say, hey, let him do whatever he wants. He's, both, he's shooting himself in the foot, but we'll see. But I do think uh, if I were out there, international stocks are starting to pick up. Now, the question is, is that because the dollars faded so quickly? Uh, and the dollar's near a support level. So if the dollar rallies, uh, will international stocks pull back? Now, on a relative strength basis, I don't see them breaking out yet. Haven't broken their downtrend yet. But Moses did, well, I'm sorry, not Moses, Noah. <laughs> Got to get my uh, Bible read, uh, read again. Noah did not start building the ark the day it started raining, okay? So you always want to be thinking ahead, okay? This is a chess match. You know, the great chess players are thinking five, six moves ahead, okay? They're anticipating what you're going to do five, six moves ahead, and that's what's the key is. So I think international equities uh, are something to pay attention to. There's been a 14-year absence of international equities, it might be time they turned up. They're awfully cheap, and that's the good news. And um, our ADR list has got some good names on it, some high-quality names on it. I just started to pay pretty close attention to it, and there's one that uh, I own. I, I sold half of it, and then I round-tripped the other half. And uh, But uh, that's what's been happening this year. Nobody anticipated a lot of things. Uh, still up 25%, uh, so we're good. So let's, let's take a break. Uh, the number here is 216-901-0945 if you've got a question. In the meantime, we'll be right back. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. In Medina, a great place for you to grab a sandwich and beverage, relax, and enjoy the company of friends and family, Planted Flag Brewing on Pearl Road. Family-owned, in fact, Aaron, Karen, and their daughter, Alice, can fill you in on what makes Planted Flag so special. I think we just like to keep things local and things we really like to eat. We're not trying to be fancy. It's just family favorites that we put on the menu, and they become customer favorites, too. We have our regular oven-baked sandwiches, burgers, Amish chicken sandwiches, chilies are seasonal favorite. It's like all the flavors like melt in your mouth and it's just so good. Yeah, it's pretty thick and it's got meat and beans and it's destiny beef that we put in the chili so it's local. I guess I'm the taste tester. Aaron, I know you take the brewing personal and it's all local too. Probably one of the few that actually do use local malt or use local hops. Just wanted to be able to make something that tasted good using local ingredients. Planted Flag Brewing, 3594 Pearl and Medina. See plantedflag.com. Dennis Prager says it's all made up. Language can be powerful, and phrases such as going into the field or fieldwork is racist. This is another race hoax. 
that the word field is racist. Why are there so many race hoaxes? Because there's so little racism. You have to make it up. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. in a while don't drive as much as i used to so uh uh they moved our office to westlake so i kind of go to the downtown office or stay at home um I, i'm going to emphasize a couple things uh you know if you own a small company the guys at Dun, uh, dunbar and bender um really can help you put extra money away in your retirement plan that's just not you by the way that's all your employees too and the other thing is if you become a client here you know, we'll give you a uh, a general idea of what your company's worth. And and by the way, we not only say that, but we have people that can help you do that. You know, so uh, remember, private equity is trying to steal your company. We'll leave it at that. And also, I'll just say, hey, look, wealth management questionnaire. You can start one now without being a client. Okay, without being a client, and then. Uh, you know, we'll print one for you, and uh, if you become a client, we, you know, we'll love you. Uh, last year, uh, people were asking me about fixed income, and I talked about preferred shares. And I, I really like convertible preferreds and then what they call cumulative preferreds. Cumulative preferreds means if, if the, they stop paying the, the dividend on the preferred for any reason, you get all yours back before they can pay a dividend on the common stock. And just so you know, since that time, <laughs> actually, I, I commented twice, uh, once in 2021 and once in 2022, just at the beginning. And in both cases, the one, the one year they were up 7%. So you got the yield plus 7%. And then they made a double bottom and then went up 11%. So uh, interesting that, you know, just want to let you know that we make some pretty good calls on this show occasionally. Um, and by the way, that was our bond department, who's absolutely phenomenal people to work with. Uh, and I, I guess the question is, you know, if, if you're a fixed income buyer, my question is, is do we have we seen the final nail in the rate hike cycle coffin? I certainly hope so. We're going to find out this week. Uh, you know, the Fed is is paying fairly close attention to what's going on. Um, they're still talking nasty. But, you know, sometimes, you know, Bernanke said sometimes, you know, talk is enough. Now, if you look at the S&P 500 growth forward PE valuation versus the S&P 500, it's getting near to a place where it's bottomed. I bottomed in 2000. I don't know. I think it was between eight and nine. And then it bottomed again in 2017. Um, so we'll see what happens. Now, the performance has been kind of, uh, you know, uh, pretty bad of growth stocks versus value stocks. And we, we've mentioned that several times. So the question is, is Fed, you know, look, when interest rates go up, you buy value. When interest rates go down, you buy growth. OK, so it, it's kind of a tough thing. But if you look at the growth index, in 2022, you were looking at a negative 29%. If you look in value, 
uh, you were looking at negative 4.2%. So now if you look at 2021, the growth index was up 32%, value was up 24. Now, uh, you know, we work with Marshfield pretty closely and, and they were not only open in uh, I mean, they were up like 33, 34% in 2021, but they were up 6.5% last year. So, you know, the, the value group was where, where it's supposed to be. And we'll just leave it at that. Um, so I think right now, you know, people are asking me, should we buy growth? And I think you want to nibble at them. I don't think you want to go hog wild. Remember, we talked about the barbell approach a couple of years ago and a little bit last year after the, the growth stocks had fallen off pretty hard from October to May. So I, I think, uh, you know, that's something to take a, uh, you know, have a, be thinking about. Now, if I, I look at the weekly uh, chart on the S&P 500, we're right at resistance uh, and we're a little bit overbought, not really heavily overbought. Uh, you know, we were really heavily overbought on a monthly basis back in January. We, we identified that for everybody. Uh, and now we're at the bottom of that on a monthly basis, by the way. And if you look at the short term indicator, we broke the downtrend line on the S&P 500. So now we've broken it on the small caps. The Dow and the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, uh, we're still kind of waiting on, but it's right there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the, the, the NASDAQ is still, I don't know, about 4 or 5% below the line. So uh, it does have a kind of a major double bottom in place. So we'll see what happens. And also, if you look at the relative strength, it's right at the downtrend line versus the S&P 500. So we'll see if it breaks through there. I think that'd be very, very positive. Now, I'll tell you, the best-looking charts I see are energy, 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 financials, and semiconductors. And if you look at them, the, the S&P 500 energy sector may be breaking out to an all-time new high. I mean, like I said, Exxon broke five tops Friday. Uh, Chevron, you know, I mean, they just, they just you know, thumb their nose up at the, the administration, and they're buying back 25% of their stock, and they raise their dividend in an incredible amount. So that, that's kind of – now, I'm not re recommending these stocks. I'm just uh, – you know, I recommended them two years ago, all right? And then the, the financials have broken their downtrend line, made a higher – tested their downtrend line, made a higher low. Now, if they break through, they could be making a higher high, and that would be very positive. The semiconductors broke through to a higher high. So th that's the three areas that uh, Tim would be recommending. And uh, I just noticed that this today. So. Uh, I'll be really talking it up next week to my clients. Now, uh, the, there's a couple other things that I think are really kind of interesting, and that is if we look at the quadrant, the weekly quadrant balance momentum oscillator, it's fairly overbought. So on a weekly basis, we probably pull back one more time after breaking through. Uh, but the moment, the daily momentum still looks like it wants to go up, okay? Uh, so we'll see what happens. But the Dow Jones, came down and tested their uptrend line and then reversed back up. That's really positive, folks. Very, very positive. Then the Russell has broken through. So the one thing I think is very, very important is the advanced decline line has, has broken out. Wow. I mean, things are starting to develop fairly quickly. Now, one of the things that kind of is 
you know, you got to look over your shoulder all the time in, in the stock market. Is if you look, the VIX is right where it's, you know, right at that 19 level. Now it's one, two, three, four. This would be the fifth time it hit there. And on other occasions, it's gone all the way up to 34, 35. Okay. So that, you know, that's something, you know, that that's where S&P 500 is near its resistance. So if it were to break through and go to like 16 or 17, that would be very positive. You know, that's a breakdown in the VIX. The VIX is the fear index. Okay. When it goes up a lot, everybody's fearful. That's when you want to buy. When it goes down a lot, you want to be a little bit less. Now, one of the things that we've noticed, and, you know, the number of new highs has broken the downtrend line, you know, and all you do with a downtrend line is you draw a line from a series of lower highs. That's the downtrend line. When you break it, it's very, very positive. When it comes to new lows, New lows have broken down. Matter of fact, they've broken to the lowest level they've been since, I want to say, 2020. So not many stocks are hitting new lows, folks. That's a big positive. And the you know, bullish sentiment has picked up and the bearish sentiment has picked, you know, come down a little bit. But you gotta remember, the last time we saw these higher numbers in the bearish sentiment was in 2000, one and two, and back in 1990s when Saddam Hussein rolled into Kuwait. Okay, so these are pretty extended numbers. Same on the bullish thing. The last time we saw the bullish numbers down this low was back when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. Okay, now everybody's asking about growth versus value. Growth is still in a downtrend, although I did notice the mid caps and the small caps are pretty close to breaking the downtrend line. I, I'm going to emphasize this to everybody the, the high beta. Is to, is, is dom- the S&P high beta index is dominated by cyclicals, while the S&P low volley volatility index is dominated by safety stocks and growth stocks. There's been a major rounded bottom in there, and it broke through resistance and came right back and tested and held. It may be, you know, uh, that those stocks are going to be leading the way, all right? Usually when you have a bear market, you have a change in leadership. So another thing. Now, you know, I, I got some names that I want to I'll talk about later on, but uh, the 10-year yield, you know, broke the 40-year downtrend, as I said. It's a little overbought, so it's probably going to test the uptrend line. I don't think it's going to break. Okay? That's my opinion. I think, you know, it's made, made a double bottom, and we'll take it from there. Remember, the dollar broke a 36-year downtrend and is right where support is. Let's take a break. If you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. 
visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Rags. They're really important, and I don't mind saying so. Or even getting called the rag man by my boys. You see, from my earliest days apprenticing with Lee Newberg, I learned about the four things required of a true professional plumber. Answer the phone when the customer calls. Show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do. And clean up your mess. That's it. And cleaning up your mess is one of the most important parts. It's one reason why Lee and I loved working for the older Eastern European ladies in Cleveland. They always had plenty of well-laundered rags. And they let us use them. It just made the job cleaner and easier. Plus, they were great ladies. You know, we've always been blessed with the best customers in Cleveland. Nowadays, my sons often find me by the washing machine at the office cleaning and folding rags. That's how I got named the Rag Man. And I take it as a compliment because clean rags and plenty of them are an essential component to the Wallacadoodle experience. Consider it done at whyitworks.com. Ohio roads and bridges connect us to things we need and enjoy. It takes a lot of hard work and money to keep roads in good shape. Today, most of that money comes from Ohio's gas tax. As Ohioans drive more fuel-efficient and electric vehicles, people are buying less gas. That's great for our environment, but it means less money for road and bridge maintenance. Ohio is conducting a study to find a new and more sustainable way to fund the maintenance of our roads and bridges. To learn more and to provide input, visit ohioroadfunding.com. Sponsored by Ohio Department of Transportation and aired in cooperation with the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Okay, we're back. You know, we do have a caller, and I think it's—I think his name is Mac. Mac, how are you? Yeah, doing well, Tim. How are you? Uh, no complaints today, anyway. <laughs> If you call okay. me on Monday, I might have a few, but what can I do for you? Okay, I'm about 10 to 12 years from uh, retiring, and I would like to know, uh, is there any specific sector funds you would recommend in the bond market? Presently, I have the total bond market index, and I'm overweight in uh, I-bonds and uh, uh, high-yield corporates. Would you recommend any other, like Jenny Mays or uh Ginny Mays, you know, when interest rates come down, Mac, uh, people prepay their mortgage, and that that hurts your principal. Uh, okay. <laughs> believe, believe me, when when everybody bought Ginny May funds back in the uh, in the early '80s, and I still think they're trying to get uh, even. <laughs> but yeah, high the yield, ten-year uh, return is less than one percent. So. Yeah, uh, high yield bonds uh, look uh, really interesting, um, in my humble opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, high yield corpse ten year return is three six five. Yes, you know uh, they um, they had a bad year last year. They got beat up. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so going forward is what you got to look and what you, what you want to look for in high yield bonds is the spread over the treasury. Okay, so you got to find out which which. In in your bond fund, you just don't buy any of them. You got to look for the highest spread over Treasury. Now that that's the highest risk, by the way. But when usually if it's over five or six percent, you're in a pretty good time to buy them. Okay. So, uh, but you you should know what the yield is and how much leverage they use. Okay, leverage is bad. You know, a lot of bond funds. Don't tell you this, but they they're in they're levered, maybe ten fifteen percent, and if if yields go up on you, you know for some reason they reverse, 
you get hammered. <laughs> and a lot of the high-yield bond funds do that, okay? So just be careful with those two things, if you will. Okay, what about internationals? Uh, I don't see anything technically yet to say, hey, go buy them. But the, well, I'm saying the, for the, a 10 to 12-year time horizon. Okay, but, you know, look, I'm, I'm just saying is I, go, I base my, my actions on relative strength. Okay, so I, I want to be in the best relative strength there is. Uh, however, one of the things that you you know you've got to understand with bonds is when yields go up, is the best time to buy them. Okay, so it'd be good to dollar that. cost average over that time horizon. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I I own very. I don't think I think I own you know with one client I own international bonds, but I bought them last year. When they were, you know, they went crazy on the upside. Uh, so I, I try to buy yield at the maximum point of pain. So the best, the best yield right now is be- between six months and three years. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about individual right. bonds or bond funds? Individ- individual bonds, whatever. I mean, even short-term bond funds, the best deal, the best yield right now is is from six months to three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And high yield has a pretty good uh, yield too. But like I said, you're taking more risk. You know, high yield bonds are a, are a stock surrogate neck. Okay. So, so is there a specific sector of bonds you would recommend over my time horizon? Well, there's, you know, nobody will lend money to oil companies. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, we're going to need them. I mean, that's what the market's telling us, is that we're going to need them. So oil bonds are kind of interesting. Those are individual bonds, not – there's no fund that, that sells them exclusively, correct? I don't I don't know. I, I'd have to check into that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of buy the bonds individually, personally. You know, mm-hmm. that way I, I can follow it and see what's going on, and I can follow the company and see what's going on. What about muni uh, bonds? Beauty bonds. I have a great portfolio of those, uh, you know, but they're they're yielding. You know, the longer term bonds are only yielding three and a half four percent, but on a taxable basis, that's four and a half five. So they're they're probably better than the treasury as far mm-hmm. as yields concerned on a taxable basis. So the, the unis are okay with me for the long term. I, I kind of. Look, you got to understand something. The average yield on the 30-year treasury for the last 100 years is 3.1%. Mm-hmm. We're, we're at 3.5 right now. So, you know, what we went through was a period of time where the yields were extraordinarily high because Volcker shut things down, and they came all the way down to the bottom. Now, right. are they going to go up? Look, one of the things, Mac, that you got to do is you got to do a ladder portfolio if you're buying individual bonds. So you you buy some two years, you buy some four years, you buy some six years, you buy some eight years, you buy some ten years. Want to go farther than that? Whatever. So you constantly have money coming due, all right? right. So so that you don't have to worry about interest rates. You take the interest right. rate so, equation out. So if I were to have the majority of my money in the total bond market index and then go over overweight in those specific time horizons that you just spoke of? Would that be a yeah, good uh, might, strategy? 
That'd be a good strategy. Now, there's there's some ETFs out there that do laddered portfolios. Oh, right. I've used them before. Yeah, they're not. Is it through? They don't. Fidelity, they don't work. Vanguard. Uh, I gotta look at look them up. I can but, look. Uh, I can look. Yeah, it, you know, they they don't do as well as an actual laddered portfolio. But if you don't have the money, you know, you need a couple hundred thousand dollars to do a laddered portfolio. So if you don't have the money, uh, it'd be cheaper to do it that way. I see. Uh, okay, well, you know, I, uh, I I have that information sitting in my office, so uh, and I'm not there. <laughs> right. I so, yeah. So okay. uh, I can get that if you call. Okay. All right, sir. I do appreciate have a great it. Day. Thanks. All okay. right. Have Bye. a great day. So something happened this week, and that is the uh, the bullish percent for all equity funds crossed over seventy percent, and that just means that seventy percent of the equity funds out there are trading on point and figure spy signals, and when that's happened in the past. 73% of the time that year has been positive. And, and they've averaged, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about mutual funds, okay? They've averaged about a 6% return. So take that as you will. The bullish percent continues to go higher. Uh, it's still in the column of Xs. It's at 58.95. So we're still in that 50% range, which is still a good place to buy. Uh, you know, you don't want to go too much higher than that. The over-the-counter index is at 40. So the small caps are really coming on strong. And they're in a column of Xs, too. So we, and then the world index is at 44, column of Xs. So we've, we've got a hold of the ball. The offensive teams are on the field. Now, what happened this week was the S&P 500 broke its downtrend line. It also broke its 200-day moving average. And what's even more impressive is the 50 days right coming right up on the 200 day when he you know people call it a golden cross now some people some of the top technicians say it's the 40 week moving or the 40 day moving average over the 200 others say it's the 50 over the 200 so depending on which technical guy you're talking about but if the 50 day were to cross over i think that'd be very very positive and usually 80 percent of the time the next 12 months are positive the next one month is positive 64% of the time. And the average, or the, well, you should use a median. A median return is about 12% over the year. And we're already up 5%, so that'd be 17% for the year. That'd be kind of good. The dynamic asset level investing, energy still number one, basic materials number two, financials number three, consumer non-cyclical number four, industrials number five. There are the favorite sectors. And I started, I started from the top, okay? Communications were dead last, but they gained five votes last week, and they a lot of money flowed into them. And consumer cyclical went from 80 votes to 110, uh, and they had a big money flow. Healthcare lost money last week, uh, um, and they lost a couple votes too. But they're they're still they're teetering, you know, uh, which is interesting. So we'll see. And on international equities, that Ireland's the place to be. Karen Gobra. <laughs> Uh, I looked at several ETFs on the on Irish ETFs, and, and they looked really, really good. And the ADRs are starting to look really good. Uh, so people ask me up about bonds, Mac. Floating rate bonds look, I, I forgot to mention, floating bo rate bonds look good. And I think if you look at munis, you want to do single state munis. And there's a, I, I, I have to look those over because I, I didn't look at those charts because that's not a question I get very often. Um, but I, I've seen everything positive 
uh, you know, crude oil is still positive. It, it, it went to a buy signal. Uh, gold is still on a sell signal. And the, the other thing that caught my attention is orange juice. You know, uh, with the hurricanes, they really did some damage to the orange juice business. And I think you got a problem going forward on that. Now, what's also interesting is orange juice is going up, but the DBA, which is another commodity, uh, you know, uh, more of an agricultural commodity, broke a double bottom. <laughs> or is it a triple bottom? It's a triple bottom. So, you know, kind of weird stuff going on. And, uh, uh, you know, backwards, backwards, forwards, forwards. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's uh, an, an interesting scenario. But look, uh, crude oil futures. You know, gold's made a big run now, okay? Uh, and it's got to hold 1,900 as far as Tim's concerned. But remember, the McQuellen oscillator did turn negative. So be careful. But the 50-day did cross over the 200-day. That's very important, okay? Uh, but the daily momentum has become overbought. So that's probably what Mr. McQuellen's seeing. Now, copper, on the other hand, the monthly momentum is really negative. Yet it's moving up, uh, and if I look at the ratio of copper versus gold, copper's on the on the verge of a breakout. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, look, I just think we're in a structural bull market, which means we're probably in a sixteen to eighteen year cycle. And I think we just started it too, by the way. All right, uh, so we've probably got about eight, nine, ten years to go, but. During those cycles, remember, we 1987 was in the great bill market of the 80s. 1990, Saddam Hussein rolled into Kuwait was in 1990s. So there can be bear markets within bull markets, like there's bull markets within bear markets, okay? And we're right at the uptrend line. So I think that's really important. But yeah, let's take a break and we'll be right back uh, and we'll take a look at insiders. Uh, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, it's 216 901 0945. Stay tuned. I've been a searching all this big wide world. Now finally I've found mine. future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The Flatline with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 6.30 here on AM 1420 The Answer. The Flatline describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The Flatline with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420 The Answer. Dr. Sebastian Gorka can't believe what he hears sometimes. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open board, come on over. But people I have heard say it for you, our former President Trump. It's not Biden that opened the border. That is gas lighting. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. 
Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. So now we talk about insiders. What we've done is we've funneled down from strategy to technicals to fundamentals, and now we're, we're talking about, hey, what the insiders are doing. These guys know their business better than you and I. And I thought it was interesting. You know, we talked about this guy uh, buying Health Sciences Acquisition Corp. And Roderick Wong, uh, you know, he bought several weeks ago, and he bought another uh, $1.8 million, uh, $18 million, 1.8 million shares. And the stock took off like a bat out of you know where. <laughs> he paid 10 for it. It's now 1331 so he's up 30% already. Uh, so I, what I'm saying is he bought it. At 10. So don't go chasing it. Wait for it to come back to you. And then here's another one that's interesting. At a new high, uh, Doug Lebda, who's the chairman and CEO of uh, Lending Tree, bought $2 million worth, 65000 Now he owns, um, that, this is a totally new purchase for him. Uh, so he owns just the 65,000 shares, but that's a lot. It's now at 38, though. So I think the announcement, him becoming chairman, it was the reason, okay? And then, uh, you know, PNC Bank, uh, we've had several insider buys, and uh, Bill Demchak, who's president and CEO, uh, he, he bought another million dollars worth. So uh, keep that on your, your list. And then Atlantic America uh, Corporation, which is insurance, we had uh, a trustee. Uh, Harriet Robinson buy a uh, million dollars worth of stock too. So and we had a couple other people add to their positions. And, uh, you know, I just mentioned these simply because they've been buying all, all along here. And um, Tobias Lutke, uh, who's a pretty smart guy, um, Coinbase, he bought another, uh, I don't know, $350,000, $360,000 worth uh, back last week. And, uh, then we had a couple guys uh, buy uh, uh, Golden uh, Entertainment, which is a, a casino. And uh, one one bought uh, it was Terry Wright, by the way. He bought seven hundred and fifty thousand. Then he bought another two hundred fifty thousand uh, a day day or two later. Uh, so that's that's interesting. And then our good friend, our good uh, friends at uh, Column Group and uh, David Godel have bought more. Uh, NGM Biopharmaceuticals. Remember, they've been buying those all, all along, so we'll take it from there. And then um, we we had a what I thought was kind of an interesting scenario. Uh, we there, there's a comp- company called Abdeal, and uh, Abdeal is pretty smart money, and they bought Appian uh, to the tune of about four point eight million dollars in three different purchases. So we'll see what goes on from there. Um, Take it from there, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> where do we go from here? Okay, so, look, uh, I do think the bear market bottom is in. Um, now, that's with, with one given, you know, Russia doesn't do something stupid. Uh, there's also, you know, there was a, there was a, man, a head guy, a head general, three-star general from the Pentagon who says we'll be at war with China within a year which I didn't think was a great thing to say, but what are you going to do? 
So outside of war, I think we're in the bear market bottom and bottom. And uh, I think what you know, we could have a sharp move up into March and then a pullback uh, through you know mid to late summer. And uh, I think what you'll have is a bounce in the U.S. dollar because it's oversold and it's at at uh, at a you know good support level. And same with the Treasury yields. So it, it'll probably you know we'll bounce into March and then. Uh, you know, we'll have one more test. And that test should, you know, get everybody scared again. <laughs> because that's that's the best time to buy. Okay. People don't understand that right now is one of the best times to buy. And I uh, I said the bear market bottom. I haven't said that before uh, on the show. And I think, you know, I'm putting my reputation on the line here, but hey, what are you gonna do? Uh sometimes you gotta gotta do that. And I, I think uh, you know, Rob Schleimer saying the same thing, Tom Lee. I believe uh, Lori Calvacina has kind of hinted at it. Uh, so I'm just going to say it. I think that's where we are. Now, that's Tim Hayes' opinion, not RBC's. It's Tim Hayes' opinion, okay? But look, I think volatility will likely materialize probably the end of March and May, you know. And then, and if it doesn't do it then, I think it'll be August, October type of thing. So um, I think energy is going to continue to be dominant this year. Uh and uh, you know, I, I I didn't think that uh, back in the fall. So uh, it does look like that we're having all sorts of breakouts in that area. I think they'll be joined by materials, industrials, and technology will show some strength uh, and financials. Okay, uh, growth probably will still be un- under pressure, uh, but will bounce a little bit. And commodities should be led by metals. I would think industrials. Uh, and then, well, you know, uh, I think you'll see uh, the oils kick into gear, okay? So, look, I thought it was interesting. Microsoft reported a not-so-great quarter, and it finished the day up. The S&P 500 was down almost 500 points that day and finished pretty close to up. And the New York Stock Exchange advanced decline line broke out. You know, those are positive developments. You know, Boeing was down the whole day. But I thought their cash flow was wonderful. Okay? And then they finished the day up. So we're seeing some things that are very, very, very positive, I think, in the long run. So I think the other thing that makes me, you know, bullish is that the discretion consumer discretionary, which is basically retail, okay, broke out versus the staples. That's that's big, right? You know, the retail numbers were terrible last week. They were just terrible. So if we break the 4,100 mark, I think we could be off to the races, and uh, we'll just take it from there, all right? And just remember, we're at the bottom of the trend line for the S&P 500. And if we break that trend line, remember, there's been three major bull markets, secular bull markets, in the last 80 years. I'll call it 100 years, all right? And there's been 2,300 moves, 2,300 percent moves off the bottom, and two of them. So let's say we just go to 2,000. That's 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. We're at 4,000 right now. That's a tripling of your money. So don't get too bearish. Remember, these are 17 year cycles, usually 16 to 18, and there's four year cycles in between. And those four-year cycles, we're at probably, we're getting, you know, this this is the, 
the fourth year or the fourth year cycle. So we'll be bounce around and then 2024 should be a really good year. Okay. So just remember that I, I, people don't understand that, but look, there's been several times in the last 30, 40 years where we've had down markets or sideways movements before we took off. And, uh, you just got to understand that. The other thing I'm going to mention is the momentum, monthly momentum on the S&P 500, as we talked about, was very, very overbought last January. It's now the most oversold I've seen it since 1998. All right. Actually, it goes further than that. So, you know, on a monthly basis, you got to pay attention. But remember, we mentioned back in January. We were extremely overbought. We were at the top of the trend line. Now we're at the bottom. Now is the time to be greedy, but use your head, okay? If you're a 500 share buyer, buy 200, 200, 100, okay? It's okay to buy a rounded bottom. It's okay to pay up for a stock because they're down, all right? So just remember that. So what would I do, all right? First of all, if you'd like to have an appointment with me, let's go to WHK's webpage, Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. It'll take you directly to my webpage. Don't forget to look at Insight. Okay, Insight has a lot of good information. Not all about the markets. It's about it's just general financial information. It's a, contact me, email me if you want to set up appointment. Uh, we got wealth plans. Highly recommend them. You know, Alice said to the Treasure Cat as she hit the fork in the road, "Which road should I take?" The Treasure Cat, well, "Where are you trying to go?" She said, "I don't know." He said, either road will take you there, okay? So uh, there we go. Remember, we can do a wealth plan, and you don't have to be a client, okay? All right? We'd, we'd love to have you, obviously, but we'll take it from there. Don't forget, if you own a small company, we can value it for you. We'll leave it at that. And the prime income list and the dividend growth list are the place where you should be starting to look at your stocks. Dividend growth right now is basically at neutral. Prime income is a little below neutral. They held up extremely well last year. All right. That's where I'd start. The other place I'd start to look at is our multi-cap best ideas at small cap, mid cap, and large cap. That's capitalization, by the way. That's another area I'd start to look at ideas. All right. So there's several places where you can look. In the meantime, uh, don't forget the wealth plan. (laughs) Like I said, planning is important. You don't have a plan. You're out to lunch as far as I'm concerned. In the meantime, uh, have yourself a great weekend. It's, the, the sun was shining when we started the show, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. I'm going to the movies. Have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.